Okay, welcome to our Thursday night ministry series. Uh, thanks for coming to hang out with us. We're Christian students on campus. If you don't know where you're at, Christian students on campus, I know it's a name that's hard to understand. It's where Christian students gather together on campus. You got that. Okay, see, it's college. It's critical thinking here. Okay, we've been in the book of Exodus for a whole long time now, have we not? Those of us who have been around, we know semester by semester, we've been in the book of Exodus for a while now. We already covered the quote, exciting part. Now we're moving on to the good part. No, I'm just kidding. It's all good. It's all good. This oftentimes, the part we're in right now is often seen as the less exciting parts, the kind you want to, you really got to get down into fourth gear in to get through. Uh, maybe you're looking for some more exciting war type scenes. You know what I mean? We've been talking about the tabernacle, and specifically, this semester, we're going to cover, and after I say this, be excited, the furniture of the tabernacle. Okay, see, now you're with me. Now you're with me. Okay, it doesn't seem as exciting uh, at first uh, mention, at first mention, but I have good news for you. Feel free to say amen after I say this. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. And it is profitable. Say amen. amen. It's profitable. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. And so there is actually some excellent, incredible principles and precepts that God wants to communicate to us. Get this through the furniture of the tabernacle. That may not blow you away yet. Emphasis on yet. Because there is some incredible light that God has for us right here in the book of Exodus. Right in the midst of all the specificities of the tabernacle. Tonight, we're going to be on the table of the bread of presence. In order to help you remember that, I say T-Bop. Table of the Bread of Presence. You got that. Table of the Bread of Presence. And I want you to come away with three things, okay? Sometimes, when we get into the typology of things in the Old Testament, sometimes you can get lost and confused. We don't want that tonight. What we want you to come away with is, what is it literally? What is the Table of the Bread of Presence literally? What is it? Number two, if you're looking at your sheet, you can probably guess. We want you to come away with what does it mean spiritually? We want to receive some spiritual benefit, correct? About a fourth of us do. We want to receive some spiritual benefit, okay? Number three, how do I apply this practically? Don't you want... Benefit, spiritual benefit from the Word of God to be very practical to you. Okay, that's what we want to come away with. What are we talking about, literally? What does it mean to me spiritually, and how do I apply it practically? Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, so let's go on to what is it literally. Let's all read that. That's Roman numeral one, even though there's not a Roman numeral there. Let's read that together. Ready, go. I'm glad you asked. We're going to get into some verses. Okay, let's have, let's have everybody just read the next set of verses. This is from Exodus 25, 23 through 24 and 30. Let's all read it together. Ready, go. And you shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, 
Okay, I hope you have a pen tonight, some kind of writing utensil. There is a such thing called pencil also. You may have never used one of those before, but they still do exist, and they're effective for remembering things. So we want to underline, circle, and make all kind of marks on our paper here to help us remember what we're talking about, okay? So find a pen, find a pencil. If you got one, if you don't have one, steal your neighbors. Just kidding, don't do that. Okay, firstly, I want you to underline acacia wood. Acacia wood in verse 23. This is a wooden table. It's a table made out of wood, firstly, okay? But there's another element involved. It's not just wood. It's overlaid with pure gold. In verse 24, underline that. It's a wooden table overlaid with gold. That's probably would be an expensive table. Okay, this is a solid wooden table that's completely overlaid with gold, okay? You get the picture? All right, let's see what else. Okay, in verse 30, underline this. Set the bread of the presence upon the table. Before me, always. Before me, always. This table was inside the tabernacle and was before God, perpetually, always. It was a literal, physical table. Probably a pretty incredible table. Especially incredible because it was in the presence of God all the time. That makes everything awesome if it's always in the presence of God. Okay, let's find out a little more. Let's read Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. This time we're going to mix it up. See if you can stick with me here, okay? We're going to have the brothers read one verse, and then we'll alternate with the sisters. Sound good? Okay, brothers, let's go first. Ready, go. Okay, keep your pen. Underline two rows, six in a row. The bread was ordered in a very specific, particular way on the table. It wasn't just thrown on there. Hey, let's load up the bread. Load it up. It was arranged in a very specific way. Okay, then they put something on top of it. Frankincense. Underline that in verse 7. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row. Verse 8, it was given, placed at a very particular time. Every Sabbath day, he shall set it in order, in verse 8. Very particular time. Number 9, we, number nine verse 9, we see who it's for. It's for Aaron and his sons. It's for the priests. It's for a particular people. You get in the picture? Not a buffet line. For particular people arranged in a particular way and set out at a particular time. Okay, and lastly, it was an offering to God. Circle Jehovah's offerings in verse 9. Okay, this helps us if we literally know what we're talking about 
it helps us receive spiritual benefit from the Word of God. If you don't know what we're literally talking about, what, the rest of what I'm going to say won't make much sense. But do you have it? You got what it is. It's a table in the presence of God, arranged in a specific way, with bread on top of it, in a specific way, that's given at a specific time, and is for a specific people. You got it. What's the next question we need to ask? Some of you guys are really smart. You're catching on. I think we probably have some honor students in here. Let's all ask, let's ask the next question, the next appropriate question together. Ready, go. What does it mean spiritually? Okay, the burden tonight is not necessarily to interpret all of the details for us, all the details of the type. The burden is that we would receive some spiritual help. Something that would help us for our spiritual experience, okay? That's, that's the target. That's what we're going for tonight. What does it mean spiritually? Write this down. Write this down. It is significant. It is significant that the bread of presence is perpetually on the table before God. It is significant that the bread of presence is perpetually on the table before God. If God says, put something on the table and have it before me always, do you think that's important? I want something right here in front of me all the time, at a specific time, arranged in a specific way. You think that's important? Okay, it's very important. It is very significant that God says this. And I'm going to tell you why. God wants to remind us. You can write this down. God wants to remind us. We cannot live without feeding on Christ. God wants to remind us perpetually, always, forever that we cannot live without feeding on Christ. Now, let's see that from the Word of God. Let's read John chapter 6, these verses all together. Ready, go. Okay, who is the bread of God? Jesus. Jesus. Who is the bread of God? Jesus. Jesus. What do you do with bread? You eat it. What is Jesus' message? Eat me. Literally. He's, he's saying, I'm bread. Eat me. Eat me and live because of me. Okay, if you are uncomfortable with the term 
eating Christ, with the phrase, eating Christ. What'd you do today? Man, I ate Christ. If you're uncomfortable with that, so sorry. Don't argue with me, argue with Jesus. Because he's the one who said it. He said, I am the bread of life. He who eats me shall live because of me. He who eats me shall live because of me. If there is no eating of Christ, there is no testimony of Christ. No eating Christ, no testimony of Christ. Eat Christ, testimony of Christ. How about that? Sounds pretty simple, right? Incredible. That's a pretty clear formula. Eat Jesus, testify Jesus. Pretty simple. What makes it hard is that we're pretty hard-headed. What man always wants to focus on is the outward, primarily. Man looks on the outward appearance. Jehovah looks on the heart. What man wants to touch, focus on, arrange, fix, fixate on, is the outward. But what God always does is God always first go inward. He goes inward. He told the Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of the cup, of the dish, but the inside is dirty, full of abominations. You cleanse the outside of the dish, but inside, filthy. You should cleanse the inside first. What Jesus wants us to do is eat. If we will eat, the outside will be taken care of. Eat Christ, testify Christ. Don't eat Christ, no testimony of Christ. It's very simple, very simple. Jesus is saying, I'm everything. I'm the sustenance of your very being. I am the source of your existence. Eat me and live because of me. That's exactly what he did with the Father. I'll read it to you again. As the living Father has sent me, I live because of the Father. So you do that with me. Eat me and live because of me. Next question. What should we ask next? You're really tracking with me. You're, you're better, anyway. You're better tracking with me. Okay, let's try it again. What's the next question? Okay. Now, this is where most of my burden lies, and it's good because I've got an hour and a half left to talk. Just kidding. Just kidding. Firstly, this is one of the most practical ways to eat Jesus. I hope you'll see these five points as a roadmap for the rest of your Christian life. Okay? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't pumped and fired up about these points, okay? I'm telling you, I, you know, I've been doing this for a handful of years. I haven't been a Christian that long. I don't got that much to give you. 
But, but I do got a few things. I got a few things. The Lord, He's given us a few things. And if, if we'll be faithful to those, if we'll cling to them, Lord Jesus. It, anyway, we've got a few things. Okay, point one. Let's read it together. Ready, go. Eat God's Word. Let's try it again. Eat God's Word. Okay, come on now. Okay, I forgot to mention this. You're going to have to look up verses. You're going to have to actually look at your Bible or look at your phone. Hopefully you have paper and print. Uh, but you at least got your phone. Okay, we're going to have people read. We're going to have people actually look them up and read them to the group. When you read them to the group, you have to be loud, okay? You have to be loud. Be loud and proud and full of faith while you read, okay? Jeremiah 15, 16, somebody get there quick. Because ain't nobody like awkward silence. Your words were found and I ate them. All right, stand up, Will. Stand up, Will. That's good. Whenever you get them, we're going to have you stand up and read them. All right, go, Will. You got it. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me the gladness and joy of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Jehovah, God of hosts. Okay, thank you, Will. One of the most practical ways to eat Jesus, remember this for the rest of your life, is to eat God's Word. It is to take God's Word and to chew it, digest it, and assimilate it with prayer. With prayer. This would be one of the biggest keys to your Christian experience if you'll, if you'll take hold of it. One of the most practical ways to eat Jesus Christ is to eat God's Word by Praying. Okay. Prayer turns the black and white letters of Scripture into nourishing food for our inner man. Prayer turns the black and white letters of Scripture into nourishing food for our inner man. Okay, I'm going to let you in on what my mornings look like. Okay? I don't know about you, but I'm still trying and endeavoring to try to spend time with God. I'm, st I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to figure it out, okay? And a lot of times, I'm not saying every time, but maybe most of the time, when I try to pray, this is what happens. I get before God here, and I start, you know, start a little prayer, and then... Oh yeah, I'm supposed to pray. Time to go to work. Anybody else? Ha that happened to anybody else? When I try to pray, I'm just being honest with you, okay? My mind goes anywhere and everywhere, or I fall asleep, or I just, I just give up. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard for me, okay? I'm just letting you in on what practically happens. What is a huge help to me? Brothers and sisters, this is one of the two biggest keys I can give you about what I do as a Christian, when I tie my mind to the Word of God and chew it with prayer, I want to tell you what, it's like fireworks going off inside my heart, okay? I don't know how else to, to describe it. It's not, all, it's not always 4th of July, but I'm going to tell you what, it's a lot better than falling asleep or thinking about what the rest I got to do for the day, okay? When I tie my mind to the Word of God and pray over those words and phrases, brothers and sisters, I leave that time fed. 
I leave that time fed. I'm going to give you one simple way. There's lots of ways to pray. Lots of ways to pray. Lots of ways to pray over God's Word. Martin Luther, who's one of the so useful in the Lord's hand, truly useful for what God was recovering over the entirety of Christian history, okay? He discovered and used this right here in his personal time with God. He would pray over God's Word. And this is how he did it, okay? You would think such a spiritual giant has an incredible, uh, complex, divinely uh, capable, I mean, so impressive. You know what he would do? He would just take phrases of the verse and he'd just repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. I'll give you an example. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. Our Father. Father. Our Father. Next phrase. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name, Father. Hallowed be thy name. Now, does that sound complicated? Great man of God in Christian history. Martin, what's your secret to spending time with God in the Word? Oh, I, I, just, I just pray over it, and I repeat the phrases and use that as my prayer to God. How about that? Does that sound hard? What he likened it to is he saw each verse in the Bible as a limb that had juicy spiritual fruit on each limb. And his repeating, his praying over those verses was him shaking that limb until that juicy fruit would fall off. How about that? Father, our Father. Hallowed be thy name. Delicious. Firstly, okay, how do you apply this practically? If you want the bread of God's presence, eat God's word. Number two, let's read it together. Ready, go. Okay, somebody read 1 Peter 2, 5. And while they're looking it up, I want you to take notice that it doesn't just say serve. It says serve together. All right, now stand up, Theo, loud and proud, full of faith for everyone to hear. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Thank you. You also, priesthood, you also. Okay? Not everyone could eat the bread of presence. Did you notice that? When we were reading those verses, they were not for everyone. They weren't for everybody. It was for Aaron and his sons. Not everyone could eat the bread of presence. Positionally, every believer in Christ is a priest. But, big question here, because we're talking practically, how many of us practically are serving in the priesthood? How many? I don't know. God knows. Positionally, yeah, I'm a priest. Praise God. But am I serving? And am I serving in the priesthood? Okay, I got some questions for you. How many of you have friends 
If you have friends in here, go ahead and raise your hand. Almost all of us have friends. That's a good sign. Very healthy. Very healthy to have friends. Anybody else who needs a friend afterward, you can come back here and talk to me. We'll work it out. Okay, it's good to have friends. Okay. Now, how many of you have friends that need Jesus? All right, some of us are all covered, but a lot of us have friends that need Jesus. Good, okay? All right, now a question for you. What are you doing about that? What are you doing about that? What are you doing about that? Don't just say, hoping that somebody else will preach the gospel. Don't say that. I mean, I, I hope that too, you know what I mean? I mean, I hope that too. I think about, you know, my friends and acquaintances. Oh man, I hope somebody else will speak Christ to them, you know what I mean? But come on now, what are we doing about that? Okay, now I've got another question for you here. Who are you doing something about that with? You got a partner. Everybody say partner. Do you got a partner? Do you have the hood? The priesthood? Do you have it? Don't be talking about lone priests. There ain't no lone rangers out here. This is the priesthood. Okay, if you answered yes, you could give positive answers, you could give a name to somebody at the end there that you are doing that with. I got a friend, he needs Jesus, I'm doing something about it, and I got a friend I'm doing something about it with. Guess what? You will have bread of presence. You will have and enjoy the bread of God's presence, which not everyone can automatically enjoy. You have to be a priest that's serving in the priesthood. Okay? All right, point three. Somebody look up Acts 11, 22 through 23. And let's read the point together. Ready, go. All right, let's try it again and do it with some spizzerinkum. Attend the meetings of the church. Okay, go ahead, ladies. Thank you. And the account concerning them was heard in the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to pass through as far as Antioch. Who then he arrived, when he arrived and saw the grace of God, rejoiced and encouraged them all to remain with the Lord with purpose of heart. Okay, I'm going to tell you what you should focus in on. Barnabas arrived in Antioch and he saw the grace of God. He went to a place and he saw the grace of God. He visibly saw the grace of God. He wasn't looking at Antioch's incredible architecture downtown. That's not what he was looking at. You know what Barnabas saw? You know where he practically was and saw the grace of God? In the church! Let's say church together. Church. Let's say praise God for the church. Barnabas came to the people of God in Antioch and said, Wow, I see the grace of God. How about that? That is a very special seeing. That's a special portion. Amen? Okay. Now, as we're talking about the bread of presence here, 
you may think, oh yeah, eating. We talk about that a lot. I like that manna, you know what I mean? We kind of talk, oh man, yeah, eating, man, eating. I know about that. We heard about that before. Okay. All right. Remember this equation. It's mathematic and it's divine and it's incredible. BOP, bread of presence, does not equal manna. BOP, bread of presence, does not equal manna. They are not the same thing. And I've got five differences for you here. Write fast or listen fast, either way. Do both, actually. Five differences between the bread of presence and manna. Bread of presence was, number one, eaten in the holy place. It's supposed to be eaten in a holy place. Manna, number one, is eaten everywhere. Anywhere, everywhere. That's different. Number two, bread of presence was for serving priests. Manna was for, number two, everyone. Number three, bread of presence supplies for serving. Number three, manna supplies for living. That's different. Number four, the bread of presence was weekly. Number four, manna was daily. That's different. Number five, the bread of presence was arranged. It was orderly and in a specific location. Number five, manna was scattered everywhere. Bread of presence does not equal manna. The bread of presence is a special, higher portion of Christ that is found in a specific place. It's found in a specific place. If you wanted to eat the bread of presence, you know where you had to go? Tabernacle. There's one place on the entire earth you could go to enjoy that bread of presence. Brothers and sisters, if us, for us today, we want a higher, special, incredible enjoyment of Christ, we have to go to a certain place. Let's all say church. church. We have to go to be with the people of God. We have to have a regular habit of getting our feet with the people of God. I told you I was excited about it. There's a place where this higher portion of Christ is found, and it is among the people of God. Wandering, just me and God Christians, they will enjoy Christ, for sure. Manna is everywhere. You can be at the top of a mountain, just you and God, and have a good time. But if you want the bread of God's presence, you need to be with the people of God. Attend the meetings of the church. Okay. Number five, uh, let's see, number four. Okay, let's read it. Ready, go. Be built into the church. Ephesians 2.22. Be built into the church. Okay, now say that last part again, Omar, but strongly so everybody can hear it. In God and Spirit. Okay, well, the whole thing. Being built together in a dwelling place of God and in the Spirit. Thank you, my brother. Being built together 
into a dwelling place of God in spirit. Okay, the tabernacle in yonder days was the dwelling place of God. Who is the dwelling place of God now? All right. That's right. We are. And you know, we're being built into a dwelling place of God. Now, being built in, being built as a church is more than simply attending. Just nod your head with me. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it surely does mean attending. It surely does mean getting your feet with the people of God. That's step number one. Okay? The bread of the presence was served inside the tabernacle on a table. Say table. Okay, and tables are not for individual eating. Let me tell you what a sad dinner looks like for Chris Hall. Sad dinner looks like for like me sitting at my desk where I work and I have a computer. I'm sitting at my desk and eating by myself. That's sad. Man ought not to eat that way, you know what I mean? That's a sad deal. You know where I'm not sitting. I ain't sitting at the table. I'm the only one that's around. Why would I sit at the table if I'm the only one there? Table is for corporate feasting. A family sits down at a table to eat. You know what a happy dinner looks like? Chris Hall gets home. Sweet wife's already got dinner ready. Come on. That's exciting. That's exciting. Walk through the door. Smell good. Okay. Dinner's already ready. Sit down at the table. Now we're talking. Don't even have to touch some dishes either, huh? That's a a happy night. That's a happy night. Tables are for corporate feasting. At a table, family sits down and eats. Okay, if you want the bread of presence, you got to come to the table of God to eat with the family of God. That's where the bread of presence will be, at the table with the people of God. You need to get built in to the family of God. Is it more than attending? Yes. Does it require attending? Of course. You can't sit down at the table if you ain't there. (laughs) Being built into the church, this is where you'll find the higher enjoyment of Christ as the bread of God's presence. Okay, moving on. Let's go to number five. And somebody look up Exodus 33, 14 through 15. Okay, let's read five together. Ready, go. Oh, I see them fancy words in there. Criterion. I had to look it up. I don't know what it means. I mean, I had an idea, but I wanted to get a definition for you of what criterion means. Before we do that, let's hear the verse. Who's got the verse? Exodus 33. Don't be scared. It is in the Old Testament. But if you've got an app, you can just scroll there. Very easy. starts with an E. Until then, awkward silence. All right. Go ahead and stand up, Whitney. Okay, Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Basically, let us stay here and die in the wilderness. 
if your presence does not go with us? What do you think was the most important thing to that man? You got it. Let God's presence be your primary criterion. Criterion means something that is used as a reason for making a judgment or decision. Something that is used as a reason for judgment or decision. Primary being first, most important. What's the most important reason you'll decide to do something? God's presence. If you do not go with me, do not take me up from here. I will not go if you do not go with me. Not, get this, think about this. Now there's a number of things that we can use as our primary criterion. How about right and wrong? That's a pretty good one. Is this right to do? Pretty good question to ask. I mean, don't throw that one away. Keep it in your pocket. But should that be first? How about that? How about, is it sin? Am I going to make God angry because I'm sinning while I do this? That's not bad. Keep it. Put it in your pocket. But should that be first? How about, is this beneficial? Is this profitable for me? Will I benefit by doing this activity? Okay, that's not bad. Keep it. It just shouldn't be first. What's first is, will I have God's presence with me? Yes or no? Will you go with me? Presence here in, in Table of Bread of Presence literally means face. It's face bread. That's literally what it is, face bread. Will I have God's face if I do this? Now, let me say this here. Don't be weird. I don't want to find you in your closet having stayed there for three days because you felt like God's presence wasn't going with you to class. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Just, just go to class, generally, all right? I don't want to find you like locked away in some closet, hadn't eaten for three days, okay? But how about we aspire too, huh? You know, Paul in 2 Corinthians said he, he actually did things in the face of Christ. He forgave somebody. He said, yeah, I've, I've forgiven that guy in the face of Christ. Literally means the index of his eyes, meaning he read what was going on in the face, the presence of Christ, and acted accordingly. How about that? We can aspire to let God's presence be our primary criterion. Okay, I'm closing with this. I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. Which one do you want first? Okay, I'll give you the bad news first. I was going to give you that anyway, but I'm glad you chose that. Okay, bad news is, and this is the summation of what I learned just humanly, just as human, Chris Hall, who grew up in Irving, Texas, and came here. I'm 29 years old. For some people, that's really old. For other people, it's really young. It just is what it is. I'm 29, okay? I'm married. I've been through a couple schooling things. Um, I'm here. I've been serving full-time. I've done some other things. This is the summation of what I can give you humanly from what I've learned in my life. Life is tough. 
Not that profound. But that's what I've learned. Life is tough. In human existence, real, genuine, hurtful, painful suffering takes place. Whether you love God or don't. Whether you seek God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or you hate God, you're going to experience tough stuff. You're going to suffer. It just happens. It happens because we make bad decisions. It happens because, it happens just because. Just because the world is wrecked and affected by sin and bad, tough things happen. You know, sometimes, sometimes tragic things happen. Sometimes people's parents suddenly die. Gone. Never got to say goodbye. Sometimes, sometimes people get married and they get married again and they get married again and they get married again. And there's hurt and there's suffering and there's problems. It's difficult. You can see it. In the midst of human relationships, there's darkness and there's hurt. That happens. Sometimes, sometimes godly men and women, sometimes their kids don't love God. Sometimes godly men and women who've given their, they've given their lives to love the Lord, sometimes they have, they have trouble having children. There's difficult, real hurt that happens throughout human life. The good news is that God has provided a special portion for you. That's the good news. There is a special portion that God has set aside and provided especially for His people. And it's in His presence. These five little points, if you'll cling to them, Amidst whatever your situation is, you'll find him. It doesn't mean your situation will change. It doesn't mean the hurt will go away. It doesn't mean anything will change. But you know what? If you've got God's presence, brothers and sisters, you can pretty much go through anything. And God, knowing that and loving us, has set aside and made a special portion of himself available to us. And it's not difficult. Not difficult to obtain and enjoy. Eat God's Word. How about that? Pretty simple. Eat God's Word. Serve together in the priesthood. Even when you're full of hurt, in the midst of your situation, needing somebody to serve you, Serve together in the priesthood. Get together with the people of God. Just get your feet there. You're full of anger. You're sad. Just get your body. Pick up your body and take it to wherever the church is. Just do it. Be built into the church. Be built into the family of God. And let God's presence be everything to you. David said, above all else, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy spirit of holiness away from me. 
God, you take my kingdom, you take my position, you do anything you want to, but cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy spirit of holiness away from me. How about that? This is the bread of God's presence. And he's made it available to us within his dwelling place. What we're going to do now is I'm going to pray, and then we'll group up in small groups. We're going to read the ministry reading on the back, and then we'll fellowship, and we'll break up and come back together. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for making such an awesome provision for us. Lord, keep us, keep us within your dwelling place. Lord, enjoying this rich portion of your Son. We love you, God, and we bless you. Amen.